It's February 1st, 1997, and Disco Thek by U2 is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Chart. Welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Trev. I'm Al. I'm Quillen, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Disco Tech, the first single from U2's ninth album, Pop. Discotha Q spent four consecutive weeks at the top of the modern rock chart. Here's a clip. You're Philistines. Hey, All right, can, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you what you got to say? Can we start off this discussion with uh, my favorite run of lyrics in this song? Please do. Okay. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. Boom cha, boom cha. Discothic you. I can't get. I can't. Not enough. Boom cha, boom cha. Discothic you. I can't get. I can't get not enough. Boom cha, boom cha, discothic you. I can't get. I can't not enough. Boom cha, boom cha, discothic you. I can't get. I can't not enough. Boom cha, boom cha, discothic you. Boom cha, boom cha, discothic you. The whole ending of the song is beautiful, just beautiful sentiments. Very deep. Next week on the pod, we'll be. De- <laughs> Thanks. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, Quill, were you a little underwhelmed? <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Uh. There was there was like a moment or two in the song that I like, but uh, I think a lot of it is kind of garbage. What's the, what's the moment that you like? Uh, like I, I would call it the chorus. There's like a part that happens twice that is just two chords kind of back and forth um, with a pretty good melody over it. Um, it's like a big kind of guitar chords. The, the mm, I, 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 think, and... I think you're talking about what I would call the, the bridge, the part where... But you know you're somewhere else instead. Maybe. Is that the part Maybe. that you it's just like okay. dun, dun, two chords back and forth. Hmm. Hmm. It's like, 
I, yeah, I wasn't sure if you would call it a chorus or what. Um, okay. But uh, I don't care for like the main sections of the like the the predominant portions of the song. Travis, uh, on the right album, this would be a very interesting and cool first single to introduce the album. Uh, it turned out to not be that album, um, <laughs> but it's just, uh, um, I don't know. I, I like the riff. I like the riff. It's dumb. It's really dumb, but I like the riff. And that's uh-huh. pretty much the song. I don't know that there's much mm-hmm. beyond it. And a, like even Bono's presence isn't that um, uh, like Bono-ish. Like it usually is. Like Bono is usually like front and center on everything. And I feel like this song is like guitar riff. He has a mode that he's he's sometimes gone into I, that I feel like might start with this where he's just kind of um, offering slogans. What was that? It, was their song called Get Your Boots On? Yeah, there that was, some was like single. maybe 2004 or something like that. Yeah. Oh, it was just terrible where he was just doing, he was doing a, a similar frontman kind of thing where he's just kind of spouting off cool gibberish. Um, yeah, I have a hard time nailing the tone of this song. It's like a little bit of maybe like earnest playfulness and maybe a little bit of irony. Um the the only thing that feels clear to me is that they're really trying to update themselves. You know, that there is some production flourishes that involve uh, drum loops and other samples and things like that. Partially, um, not, n- not necessarily um, deliberate choices, but uh, partially because uh, Larry Mullen had a back injury, I guess, and, and couldn't yeah. play drums on the whole record. It's part of the reason why there are loops on some of this stuff, but um, yeah, I, I I feel like this is, you know, you two reinvented themselves truly on Octung Baby, and they kind of continued playing with that on Zuropa, and it seems like they want to convince us that they've done another sea change, but it really just kind of feels like more leftovers from the Octung Baby era, just with a little bit more aggressive sort of drum programming. Um, and that only goes for about half of the record. I mean, a lot of this record is really kind of bland classic rock and we'll, we'll get into that more later, but it feels like a posture to me, I guess the song and sort of the concept behind the album. Yeah. And I guess, um, the album was rushed to, um, be completed in time for their tour which was like mm-hmm. sort of like the ultimate product that they were working on, you know, like they had developed the concept for the tour before really finishing the album. And it sounded like they wanted to try to make the album to fit the themes of the tour. Um, yeah. And they ran out of time. Like it even got pushed back. It was supposed to be like a Christmas album, not a technical Christmas album, but released in time for holidays, you know, for people to buy and uh, got pushed back to March. And um, yeah, even at that point, the songs are just not there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, they're working with some, they're working with Nellie Hooper on some of this stuff, which is the, you know, the producer that we talked about last week. 
And it's interesting to, for me to compare this with the Garbage album because the Garbage album, it sounds like a band that really like lives and breathes this sound. And for you too, it just feels like this is like a hat they decided to put on. Mm. You know, it's um, Bowie would say same old thing and brand new drag, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just a, a kind of a superficial update, but it, it doesn't really feel like it's an actual substantive change in what they're doing yeah i don't have much more to say about this song yeah same hard same (laughs) yeah nothing exciting to me i mean the word discotheque is just kind of thrown in there to it seems like got out the idea that this is like a club song and nothing else as far as i can tell has anything to really do with that yeah yeah it's just kind of like announcing that this is an attempt to make a club song yeah yeah there's that uh that that bridge or pre-chorus or whatever when he says you know you're chewing bubble gum you know what it is but you still want some that i guess goes with the album title of pop that just the idea Mm. like yeah we're you know this is what we're doing and i don't know you, you you we know that you like it and don't pretend you don't or something like that but it still seems like there's there are pretensions to do something bigger than that too, and they're just not they're not quite coming across for me. So, mm-hmm. uh, music video, what stands out about that? Yeah, that was a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was something. It was something. Uh, highlights for me were the Bono camera hump and uh, the <laughs> village people cosplay. Oh yeah, man. The edges, uh, handlebar mustache or Fu Manchu or whatever you want to call it. Yes, yeah. goes great with the leather daddy getup. Oh my god, yeah. he looks like such a fool to me. Oh my god. Just having seen uh, Wayne's World two already, just a couple of years ago, do the whole village people costume thing, it feels. Again, just kind of like a really superficial nod to this disco idea that I'm not fully hearing, you know, convincingly make its way through the record. You know, it's interesting that like I was watching, I didn't remember the video very well. The thing is, I remember this idea of the video. That's like my main memory of the song is the video, but I didn't remember any of the specifics from it. And so when I was watching it back this week, um, you know, they, they were sort of like gradually building up to the village people thing where like, <laughs> like all of a sudden Bono's dressed up like a cop and uh, the edge has the aviators and Fu Manchu. And I'm like, oh, this is like vaguely kind of like a village people thing. Are they like hinting at some kind of like, um, I don't know, like, is there like a, a like a gay element to this that's that's. um that they're like hinting at and it's just like completely uninteresting like mm-hmm. whatever they're they're playing with it's they just it's a huge swing and a whiff like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense there's no purpose behind it um it doesn't line up with the song really um it was just kind of disappointing yeah i mean i think we're we're all rooting for you too i think um, not I, not I. <laughs> no. I don't like, I think they're, I like some of their stuff. I've never 
fully gotten into them. Um, but no, uh, they're like just no, not not rooting for them at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess I don't know that I would say that I'm rooting for them because they were like the biggest band in the world. It's not like they were ever underdogs, you know. Mm-hmm. The um, egos with like Bono's ego to me is just. I do. To... I do think that there's always been the capacity for them to be interesting with like the uh, sexuality and spirituality dichotomy. Like, I think mm-hmm, that's always mm-hmm. cool and interesting. And, um, well, I shouldn't say always, but um, a lot of times they may, they make it that way. And um, yeah. so I, I do root for that to, to work out, um, but it does not here. Okay. I feel like you guys sold me or, like, convinced me to be a little bit more interested in you two during the um, Hold Me, Kill Me, Kiss Me, Throw Me um, episode. Totally wrong order, but yeah, Jesus. yeah, go ahead. Kill me, kiss me, throw me, fold me. <laughs> Did you say fold me? <laughs> what is? Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. You gotta save the the morbid reveal for, for last. And gotcha. Okay, well, whatever. Anyways, maybe that's an example of why I think this band is so full of shit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like you guys convinced me to be more interested with that episode and. I was thinking um, that, oh, maybe this album will actually be pretty interesting and cool, and we'll see what I think about it when we get there. Yeah, I I have really fond memories of that episode, and just the way Mm -hmm. that I I came out feeling about that song, I felt really good about Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. All right, well, uh, we'll be back to talk about the album in 20 seconds. Pop by you too. How did you like the album as a whole? It's a stinker. <laughs> Full on stinker? I mean, pretty much. It's Trev, did you, did you, if you're saying it's a stinker, you probably don't agree with me. Did you get some think tank vibes from this album? Definitely not. Okay, um, I di- I kind of did. Think Tank by Blur. Their weird uh, so? album that they made without Graham Coxon. Well, that album also has, um, I think it's mostly the second half of the record, has some moody, atmospheric kind of on the way to the club or on the way home from the club kind of feelings to it that are um, vaguely experimental that were appealing to me. But uh, like it, was, the song, it was mostly the second half. Like the song On the Way to the Club. Like the song On the Way to the Club <laughs> by yeah, Blur. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bono says that this album starts at a party and ends at a funeral. I think he said something like that. And um, I, I sort of get that. The, the second half is more subdued and I think more successful. The big problem to me is actually the big singles that just completely puncture whatever new thing they're attempting to do staring at the sun and if god will send his angels deflate it by just being so regressive 
so old fashioned um, and they're not bad songs. I mean, if I had written them, I'm not sure that I would have the discipline to keep them off of an album, but uh, they're kind of the number one, the, the number one thing that, that sinks this record for me is that it feels like they're trying to do something adventurous and then suddenly they're just doing straight Beatles pop. Hmm. I liked If God Will Send His Angels. That was one of the songs, one of the few songs that I liked. So here's the cool thing that's going on in If God Will Send His Angels is that the bass is playing the same couple notes throughout the entire song. They're going mm-hmm. boo do 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 boo do 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 and uh, they play it on the verse and on the chorus, and it changes, the, the meaning of the bass line changes as the chords change, mm. which I always yeah. really respect. That's always and, a cool uh, move. Yeah. Very, very cool thing, and um, that's the number one positive thing that I have to say about that. Jesus, sisters, eyes are blister. The high street never looks so dual vocals singing kind of like the lead part like do you know what i'm talking about is it vocals like is it singing that's singing the do you know what i'm talking about and it's like harmonized do you know what i'm talking about am i thinking of the right song i don't know what you're talking about the sign of god will send his angels yeah yeah it sounds Hmm. like uh two voices harmonizing and it's like a main section of the song like or it's like a recurring section in the song you don't know what i'm talking about do you trap no (laughs) (laughs) but that's not because quillen's not describing it well it's because the album is so forgettable (laughs) like all of the parts of the songs i just like like it's just in one ear and out the other it felt like they had these ideas for songs and then they just didn't follow through or finish it yeah. I was thinking about the process of what it must have been like to write this, where, like, I know, and like, I guess REM's kind of a comparable band, and I know that they would write songs. They would write the music first, and then Michael Stipe mm. would come in and write, like, lyrics and sing over it. And it's amazing that that was ever a successful formula because those were just, like, four chords and nothing particularly, like, special or noteworthy about, like, the music being played and it sounds like that's what happened here where like they wrote some chord progressions and then they were just like all right it's on it's on bono to like yeah. write the hooks and he just doesn't doesn't hmm. do it he he's hmm. definitely forgettable on this like there's nothing nothing about him really sticks out at all yeah yeah so uh, a couple of kind of weird things about their process here too is that they had this big team of producers i mean floods the main producer but some guy named howie b Mm -hmm. put together samples of other people's music that were incorporated into songs 
with the expectation that I don't think there was ever any, even any intention of getting clearance for these samples. The idea was that the band would then kind of emulate these samples and then the band would sample themselves. And, um, you know, part of that again was that, uh, was that Mullen, you know, had this back injury and couldn't actually play, um, a lot of the drum stuff, but, you know, I don't. I didn't feel like the electronica elements that the producers were adding were like well integrated into, like any other artistic element of the songwriting. It just, again, it just felt like putting a hat on, on nineties U two, and uh, I just wasn't convinced. There were a couple songs that I liked. I thought the song Miami was kind of interesting. <laughs> Oh really? That was. I did see before you start laughing. I did see on there was some some magazine published that Miami was one of the worst songs by a good band. Yeah, I thought Miami and Playboy Mansion were the two songs that interested me. Miami was by far the worst song on the album for me, and Playboy Mansion was probably the best song on the album for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you wear that velvet dress, the ballad towards the end too mm-hmm. um, is a nice, pretty nice song. And then you know, uh, yeah, if God will send his angels, I liked. Like I said, um, and that was about it. I, I mean, I will say, like, I know we have another fucking episode where we have to talk about <laughs> another song from this album, and I just. Uh, like, even the one single that I like is a snoozer for a single. You know, like, I do not understand the choices for singles on, on this. Hmm. Maybe because none of them are, they didn't have any. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it, yeah, even the songs that I, I actually like wouldn't have been singles. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty perplexing album, I guess. Yeah. There's some I you mentioned Think Tank a little bit. I hear a little bit of Radiohead on a couple of moments. Uh-huh. Um there's like some like alien sounding like um like subterranean homesick alien style like guitar on one of the songs. I think if you wear that velvet dress. Um and um is it Last Night on Earth that has like kind of like bluesy riff? That sounds like a drop D like Radiohead, um, kind of riff. Okay, yeah. And those that. were like some of the moment, you know, some of the few moments from the album that I I liked, but yeah. Um, not an so, album I'll come back to ever again. Sort of. It seems like at least one of the lead producers on this record is is Flood. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not sure that I necessarily notice flood on uh I I don't know what the distinctive flood sound is. Do either of you have a sense of what it is or what else we should recognize it from? I think it's shoegaze, right? Mhm. I is mean, it? he was like Flood and Alan Mulder did uh you know, they were involved in Melancholy and um and The Infinite Sadness. And as well as uh, Loveless, right? I think so, right? I mean, Alan Mulder definitely was, but uh, yeah, Flood was too, right? And then I remember that Flood got involved with uh, Pains of Being Pure at Heart 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, their second album, Beyond. Yeah. And well yeah. before that, Flood became a, a, a pretty decent song by a, a Christian acoustic <laughs> rock band called Jars of Clay. It was his greatest oh, accomplishment. yeah, I love Flood. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear a clip. Lord is risen today, hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say hallelujah. To your voice in triumph's <laughs> yeah no he's always been kind of mysterious right like like you see the name I like I remember seeing the name on liner notes as a kid and just being like oh what's what's the deal with this <laughs> I never got an answer still don't have one all right um so this is uh, U2's ninth album how does it stack up to other U2 albums for you Man, it's got to be their worst, right? I, there, there are quite a few that I'm not familiar with, but it's it's the worst that I've paid attention to. Yeah, I did exactly. own it when I was a kid, but I I don't think it ever really did much for me. God, I own it now, and I think it was just like a collecting thing. Yeah, I went out and I was like, oh, this is like, you know, something that is from an era that I like, from a band that I sometimes like, and yeah, maybe it'll be cool. It's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's awful. It's just kind of mediocre. I might. I might sell it after this. Yeah. I think I'm just gonna go sell it. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I guess I'm not like super well versed in their first three albums. Um, I've heard mm. them enough to know, you know, generally what they sound like, and uh, this is worse than that. Yeah. And I guess I don't ever really want to listen to the Joshua Tree ever again. Um, if I listened to the Joshua Tree, I'd just listen to Coldplay. Huh. I, 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 I understand skipping the first three tracks on the Joshua Tree just due to overexposure, but um, there are some album tracks on that album that I think are among U2's best work. Oh. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, it sounds like maybe we're going to talk about that uh, in a couple weeks. So I guess we better save it. Alrighty. Hey, uh, other, real, yeah. real quick, some updates on Flood. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't think he did do uh, Loveless um, or was involved with that, but he was involved with a lot of Jesus and Mary Chain stuff and then eventually Nine Inch Nails. Um, hmm. He did a lot of production for. I think he was like just an engineer like before like he engineered on um a new order album and then like a bunch of Nick Cave and Bad Seeds albums too um just like around what the time air. uh uh 80s mid 80s oh. it looks like hmm. yeah but yeah i don't see loveless on his discography um and lots of u2 he did u2 stuff well before well before this um, so yeah, just wanted to, to correct that. Cause I, I was certain that he had done a My Bloody Valentine album, but yeah. Did no. he do, um, did he do YouTube stuff in like, it, was it just like nineties forward? 
Because um, I think of the eighties being as being like Lanois, right? He was an engineer on oh. um, Joshua Tree. Okay, it hmm. looks like that might be the earliest YouTube release that he was on. When you're just an engineer, I'm not sure you get to call yourself Flood. <laughs> I don't. Th- I'm, I would assume that he didn't. When call you're just himself. setting up the drum mics and somebody yeah. uh, asks and you what you're up to, hitting the buttons and, and moving the dials. I I, th- yeah. I doubt that he was going by Flood at that point. Yeah, I, not to downplay know. what an engineer does, but I mean, if you. Uh, you've got somebody uh following instructions at the studio and they say their name is flood i'm, I'm gonna be a little skeptical he, he was an engineer on actoon baby and uh it looks like zuropa he became the producer at that point okay uh other singles um i guess let's skip staring at the sun because we're gonna have a whole episode about it last night on earth uh, peaked at number 11 on the modern rock chart and number 18 on the mainstream rock chart. Yeah, that one has the radio heady blues, blues mm-hmm. riff. Hmm. I have no particular opinion. Same. All right. Please, peak position number 31 on the modern rock chart. I don't remember hearing either of these songs on the radio. No. Uh, please, also, no, just no particular opinion. It's 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 okay. I think it's bad. Yeah. Hmm. If God Will Send His Angels uh, did not chart. Um, I feel like I remember hearing it on the radio, but did not chart. Um, I, like I said, the bass is makes some very cool decisions. Otherwise, I mean, even if you just look at the title, I just feel like it's very generic stuff. Um, any, other, any other thoughts on that? I like it. Yeah, I mean, we were thinking of the same song, and I, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah. That's one of the few. And finally, Mofo did not chart. Not to be confused with uh, Primitive Radio God's song, Mofo, mm-hmm. right? Or was there, did they actually spell it out? I think they, I think they spelled, spelled it out. Spelled it yeah. out. yeah. This is. Uh, I made a note that the outro to this song was kind of cool. Oh. Um, I think my note just said, just all, nope, that was Miami. Uh, oh, my note on Mofo is fuck no. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Mm-mm. All right. Okay. Uh, I think we've thoroughly digested that then. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about the charts. <laughs> on the billboard mainstream rock chart the number one is one headlight by the wallflowers i guess we better keep our mouths shut about that too because that's coming up in a couple weeks on the modern rock chart we'll have a full episode uh on the pop charts unbreak my heart by tony braxton is giving way to wannabe by spice girls memories opinions reappraisals Anything about wannabe? Man, yeah, that that there's a lot to talk about, I think, with the Spice Girls and how it was perceived and how they were just completely vilified, like, yeah. right off the bat. And um, 
I never saw Spice World, but I wonder if there's something potentially subversive involved in that. I hope that there is. Um, I don't especially like Wannabe, but I do like a handful of Spice Girls songs. Uh, the other singles, I, I think all the other singles were good. What is the really correctly. big song that was like, is like awesome? Um, say you'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Say say you'll yeah. be there. That song's yeah. That really song's good. great. Uh, and to become one is great. Ooh, to become one always a song title and concept of song that I a sexy boy. At when I was a young Christian boy. When to become one. Something like put it that. on, baby. Yeah, put it on. Put it on. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think that Wannabe is a, uh, regardless of how you feel about it, I mean, there's no denying that it has this pop magnetism. Every time that the singer shifts, you know, to a new person, I mean, it's doing everything that a song can do to hold your attention. Um, so I, I respect the craft of it. I, I'm not sure that I've really reevaluated the Spice Girls and their their legacy, but... Um, yeah, it's a, a definitely a cool pop song. Mm. All right. What do you notice on the modern rock chart? I think there's a lot of carryover from three weeks ago. There's a lot of the yeah. same songs. Yeah. Very few new ones. Uh, it's interesting that there's a Depeche Mode song. Yeah. Um, in 1997 from the album Ultra. Uh, the song is called Barrel of a Gun. I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I, I don't recognize it at all. I don't recognize mm-hmm. anything after Violator. I listened to it and it sounded like garbage. Uh, not the band. Like, oh. It sounded like <laughs> shit. Yeah, everything sounds like garbage in Yeah, there's that. Um, what else? There's um, the perfect drug by Nine Inch yeah. Nails from the Lost yeah, Highway. Yeah, that was soundtrack. my observation. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Holy you guys cow! Like that song? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I remember that was like borderline. I I did not like Nine Inch Nails when I was a kid, but I remember that song. I was like on the fence on it. Like, oh, I yeah. almost got it. And the piano outro, dude. It's so good. The melody yeah. is really good. Um, yeah, it's a really cool song, actually. I, I was pretty into it. Yeah, I mean, there there are so many 
well-worn strategies for like boosting adrenaline on modern rock radio at this point in the 90s and i feel like this song trent Reznor, kind of pulls out some new strategies there's some uh some you know considering that it's like a real rocker um he's yeah he's he's using some different uh some some different tricks to pull off that adrenaline rush and uh i think it's very cool um, the only other uh, interesting song that I noticed was uh, the, f- well, I mean, a single from the follow-up Silverchair album, their sophomore album, Freak Show, um, Abuse Me. Um, I liked it more than any song from Frog Stomp. Um, hmm. Not at the time, just like, re- you know, looking into it. I don't remember uh, it from from back then um but it just it was like really nice chords and kind of a ballad uh and it was kind of good i was like a little bit caught off guard by it did yeah. either of you check it out um i didn't check it out but i remember it maybe from a year ago where mm-hmm. i that's maybe the last time i came across it i was like oh, i should check that out and it was it was good it wasn't like great to the point where i carried it with me and i like no. continuously listened to it no, but no, no. um it was good enough where i was like oh this is a pretty good song yeah yeah well, i don't think you like me well, i hate you as well no one seems to Wish I could answer. Come on, abuse me more. I like it. Come on, keep talking because it's true. I think that's absolutely 100%. I, I, I agree with you. That's yeah. kind of how I feel. I was like pleasantly surprised by how good it is, but yes, it's not amazing or anything. I wanted it to be. I yeah. would love. A great th- silver chair song. I to feel last like the forever. chords, like when it first starts and the chords that he's playing, I, I'm like, oh man, this sounds like totally up my alley. And then it just kind of goes and meanders. Yeah. And, uh, and then he starts singing, and I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. It's showed showed some promise, and it was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's rate Discotech by. You too. What are your thoughts? Um, I think it's uh, okay. I give it two boom chas and a discothic you <laughs> for a total of three, so three units of pleasure. All right. Quill, cool. what are you thinking? I give it ha ha. <laughs> two. Two out of Just five. Just two. All right, I'll be the average and give it two and a half back injuries. <laughs> so not not quite a uh, stall of blamer there, but uh, not too far off. Not too far off. Stall of blamer, I think, has to be two or lower. Is it two right. or lower or under two? I think it's two or lower. Two, two or lower. And... Uh, is this a Nirvana wannabe? No. 
Are we out of the era of Nirvana wannabes? We have to be. I you think, think so? not it's just over. Anything. Yeah, there's nothing. Nothing. I mean. Yeah, I. I mean. I'm looking at the list of songs for this season, and there's not a single. I mean, I think there are some. I think that there are some bands that had been Nirvana wannabes that maybe have moved on, or like next week's artist. I think you could argue. Um, I, I can't remember what we said about the previous live songs. If um, I, I think we said more of an REM wannabe is kind of what we said. Um, Nirvana, but still, and. The song in particular is, I think, more Nirvana than R.E.M. Um, hmm. I think Discotech's a U2 wannabe. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's, a, it's to some degree a Bowie wannabe. It's, it's, it wants to be yeah, a Bowie-level reinvention um, and commentary on pop music itself and fashion and, and, and all that stuff and not quite pulling it off. Tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via Facebook group, our Facebook group. Tell me all your thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. You can listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. Next week, we'll be talking about the album Secret Samadhi, which means total self-connectedness. Sounds very similar to the concept of Nirvana, which is fitting since, as we've already established on the show, Live's last album was called Nirvana (laughs) Unplugged. Uh, But anyway, Ed Kowalczyk, uh, not a big pasta eater. Next week's song was inspired by a time when a fan made him some fresh noodles and he, rather than eating them, did a bunch of weird experiments on them. He later said he was really working on Linguini's use. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Uh, We'll be talking about the song Lakini's Juice by live next week. Bye. 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 Boom chat. Boom chat. Discothic you. 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 Boom chat. Boom chat. Discothic